The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Welcome back to another episode of Trading Secrets. Today I am joined by renowned talk show host Steve Wilkos. Most of you know Steve for one of two things the head security in the one and only Jerry Springer, or as the host of the longstanding talk show, The Steve Wilco Show, or both, since 2007. What you may not know is Steve is a United States Marine Corps veteran and was a Chicago Police Department law enforcement officer for 14 years. He has established himself as an authoritative figure known for his abrasive yet constructive approach to helping guests on his show settle disputes and better themselves moving forward. Steve, the viewers have been asking for you. We got you, and we are so excited to have you today. Thanks for being on Trading Secrets. Thanks for having me on. And first and foremost, I want to thank you for your service. We're going to get into the details of the show, what led you to the show. Before we do that, the trajectory of your career from being a United States Marine Corps to then being a cop and launching your way into Hollywood is something that's extremely unconventional. <laughs> I want to learn how that happened. Before I do, there might be people out there that are interested in general in just the law enforcement career. Right now in 2021, the average cop made 65000 bucks. So when you joined to be a cop, what was the salary like then and what made you do it? So my starting salary was in 1990. I got on the police department. I made 26500 And... I just transitioned out of the Marine Corps where I was making, as a sergeant with six years of service, I was making like $12,000. So I felt like I was rich. <laughs> and I had a Dodge Colt that was paid off, and I had a basement apartment that I was paying four fifty a month in rent. So I was, you know, I was feeling pretty good about myself. But the reason why I became a police officer and went into the Marines was my father was a paratrooper in the Korean War or Korean conflict. And then he was a Chicago police officer. So my dad, you know, when I was a kid, he was like Superman, you know. So mm -hmm. I wanted to be just like my father. And so, you know, I was kind of a screw up in high school. And my dad's like, listen, going to the military, you'll, you know, straighten out and, you know, you'll have something. Because a lot of my friends, some of my friends were just bums hanging around the block after high school. Nobody went to college, but, you know, in our neighborhood, no males went to college. So I wanted to do something in my life. And that's why I went into the Marines. And it was best decision I ever made. And then, like I said, I got out. I wanted to be a policeman just like my father. And and I was going to do it for 30 years and retire from the police department just like my dad did. And But then I, one day I got asked to work security on the Jerry Springer show. I didn't even know who Jerry was. I went there to work for one day, and one day turned into 28 years later. I'm still here. Okay, we're going to talk about how you got that call. Before we do, there might be some parents out there that have kids that are serving right now, or there might be some kids listening right now that are serving. What advice, knowing what you know now about Hollywood, entertainment, making it big, to also the perception of making it big by doubling your salary from 12K to 26K when you got out, what type of advice would you have for someone coming out of military work right now and entering into the work world? You know, I had... I enlisted for three, and then I re-enlisted for four, you know, and there was a six-month overlap, so I ended up doing six and a half years. But when I got to five years, I wanted to, I was going to sign up for another five years after my six years, and that would have took me at 11, 12 years. I definitely would have did 20 years in the Marine Corps and got a pension. But I wanted to go to embassy duty when I signed it 
sign my next contract. And they, you know, in the Marine Corps, they tell you one thing and then they do whatever they want. So they were like, oh, go back out in the fleet and then we'll give you embassy duty. Well, then I said, okay, maybe it's time to get out of the Marine Corps, go back to Chicago. So when I knew, and I had like a year and a half before I was going to get out, I started making plans about, I didn't want to get out of the Marine Corps and have nothing. So I kept in touch with like a lot of buddies in Chicago. I knew the police test was coming out. So I flew back to Chicago. I, I took the police test. So I was trying to line up things before I got out so that as soon as I got out of the Marine Corps, I hit the ground running. I could have collected unemployment. I didn't want to do that. I wanted to work. And so even the day I got out, I lined up a nightclub job, bouncing in a nightclub I was working at for a few months. And then about nine months later, I got called to the police academy. So I would say be prepared. Don't just get out and then start looking. When you know that you, when you make your decision that you're going to transition out of the military, kind of get ahead of the curve. I like that. And then when you went to Chicago Police Department, how many years did you serve before you ended ended up taking off? Well, I did. I was on the police department from March of 1990, and I left it one week before September 11th. Oh my gosh! Just coincidentally, right? Oh. Um, what happened was I left, I took a leave of absence and then I resigned a few years later, but I took a leave of absence because I was making quite a bit of money on Springer. I mean, nothing like I'm making now, but pretty good salary, much more than a policeman salary. And I married my wife who's, who was ended up being the executive producer of Springer and she's the executive producer of my show now. And she said, listen, I would come home. And I worked in a very violent district in Chicago, and I would come home with blood on my uniform, and my wife would be like, she didn't understand, like, people just, you know, didn't stick their arms out and put the handcuffs on and go to jail. Like, I go, people fight us. I had to explain that to her. I'm like, we have to use a lot of force sometimes to affect the rest. So she didn't get that. So one time I came home, my uniform was just, like, I took a tomato soup bath, right? Like, <laughs> she goes, that's it, you're quitting, you know? And I said, you know what? Maybe you're right. Because she she broke it down to me. She goes, listen, when the Springer show's over, we're not staying and living on your policeman salary. She goes, I'm a TV producer. We're going to go to L.A. or we're going to go to New York. And, you know, you'll find your thing to do, but I'll be producing. I said, you know what? Right. And I took a leave of absence from the police department. And, you know, my dad, you know, I was, you only got eight more years to pension. Yeah, pension. Yeah, know? get paid out. And my dad didn't understand the kind of money I was making and, so, and even like as soon as I left, because I was so busy between the police department and working on a spring show, I didn't have a lot of free time. So when I left the police department, all of a sudden I had, I, I would do these autograph circuit, do these car shows all over the country. And I'd make five, six, seven thousand $7,000 in two days work. Well, that's more than I made during a whole month being a policeman. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, I, the money that I lost being a policeman, I made up. You know, just doing a few appearances throughout the year. Yeah, it, it reminds me a little bit of the world when I had my MBA, 10 years corporate banking, move all over, get myself up the corporate ladder to tell my parents I'm going on a reality dating show. To say the least, they weren't thrilled. But right. when I started dropping, Dad, I'm right. getting paid 10K to show up to this bar. Yeah. Like, what the hell? I don't believe until I see it. And then they saw it. Let's talk about that transition. So how long, though, before you left, were you managing these crazy worlds of being on TV, the security of Jerry Springer, and then going to serve as a policeman? How long was that? What was that balance so, like? So in 1994, I, like I said, I got on the police department in 1990. In 1994, 
Mike McDermott, who's still on my show, runs. We were policemen together in 14th District. He he had he was already working through Pinkerton. When the show needed security guards, they would call Pinkerton. Well, there was these guys there. They cut Pinkerton out and said, "Hey, don't call Pinkerton. Call us directly." You know. So Mike was one of those guys, and he said, "I was walking on station. He knew the guy. He said, hey, you want to work security?'" And I said, "What is it?" And I, he goes, "You know, it's a talk show on TV. You got to wear a suit and tie. Be there." I said, "Great, I'm there." What does he offer you, like a pay wise? When thirty five dollars an hour. Okay. No, this is. I'm probably making twenty two as a cop. Sure. So it sounds so good. Thirty five an hour. I'm like, oh, I'm <laughs> I'll, in. I'll throw a tie on. Exactly. <laughs> And so I went there, and, and like I said, it was supposed to be for one day. I went there, nothing, nothing happened. I mean, I can't. I have very vague memories of my first day there. Well, they knew they could always call me, and I'd be there. So it was this sheriff that was actually running the show, and Mike worked for him. So the sheriff, he would call me. He didn't even know who I was, but he was a guy that he knew I could count on. So this guy was kind of unreliable, though. You know, the show would call him, and he'd be like, he wouldn't show up, this and that. But he had the gig, and he was running things. Well, one day we had this big uh, show, and it was going to be, you know, a lot of conflict and, you know, supercharging audience. Well, he doesn't show up, so they call him up, and they're like, hey, man, where are you? And he said, well, my wife's got the car. Send a limo for me. Ooh, you know, like the yeah. show would send limos for guys. Yeah, yeah. And this young producer, he just hung up the phone on him. He looked at me, he goes, hey, you want to run security here? I go, <laughs> Yeah, you know, <laughs> just like so, that. Boom, man! Like all of a sudden, I went from nobody, low man, told I was running security, and you know, and 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 at first, like we didn't play a big role on the show, and then, but I would, they would need to find a guest in Seattle, and I'd get on a plane, I'd go to Seattle, and I'd go track that person down, or they'd have a problem with the guest, they had to be babysit all night long in a hotel, and I did it so. Whatever the show asked me, I did it because I knew, man, like, yeah, I'm getting my foot in the door. It was pretty good. And it was funny because then a stage manager left the Springer show and was started because Dan, Danny Bonaducci was just starting in Chicago. Okay. And he called me up and said, hey, we'd love to have you run security here at Danny. And this is before Springer was a hit. Okay. And he goes, we'd love for you to run. We'll pay you more to come over and do Danny Bonaducci's security. I was like, nah, I'm I'm good here. And it was the best call of my life because I don't think Bonaducci made it out of his first year. And I certainly wouldn't have got my own TV show out of Bonaducci. <laughs> but so, you know, staying on Springer really worked out. And so then the show did start changing format and they were conflict driven. There was fights. And we start, you know, I'd be on stage a lot breaking up fights. And and then when, when we first doing it, we were wearing our own clothes, suit and ties. And then we start wearing Jerry Springer security mm -hmm. shirts. And the old executive producer of Springer, we were doing um, Springer break from Daytona Beach. And he said, why don't we, why don't you shave your head? Now, I didn't have hair like you. I, mean, <laughs> I had Marine Corps style hair. He said, I'm going to make you a star. I said, well, sounds good to me. So I went and I shaved my head and I looked like Jesus with the <laughs> thorn crown put on his head because I nicked my whole head up. You know? <laughs> and uh, it was crazy because... And this was like 1997, before email, and, you know, I didn't yeah. have a computer. People write letters still, man. All of a sudden, you know, Miracle on 34th Street, when everybody's writing their letters in the sand and bags of mail are coming in. That's how it was. I mean, really, bags of mail coming in, women sending me pictures. It was crazy. 
then I became just a big part of the show. You know, people start chanting my name and, but I still was a policeman, you know, because from 94, when I started, I didn't leave the police department until 2001 and 97, 98 was the zenith of the Springer show when it was the number one show in the world, you know? So uh, here I am working on this hit, hit show. And then I would go work as a cop for eight hours. And there was times I'm flying all over Europe with Jerry, you know, we're going to London and Amsterdam and, you know, I'm staying in world-class hotels and flying first class. And then, you know, I'm working in the dregs, man. Like, you know, <laughs> stepping on back, putting that in squad car, getting cramped up for eight hours, freezing cold weather, holidays, weekends. So it was an interesting time in my life, to say the least. I thought going from being a banker to being on a dating show was a big move. But being a cop serving for the public, yeah. the Jerry Springer is the definition of, of literally like A to Z. In my world, what happened is those worlds collided. Yeah. I eventually got fired because of something that happened in my personal world. Yeah. Did you ever have a scenario in which you were managing seven years of this Jerry Springer role versus cop role where your job was put into question? Oh, yeah. I would tape from nine to three, but, you know, taping would run long. And I'd be, you know, I was supposed to be at roll call at four o'clock. And it was funny because my commander and my watch commander loved the show. Loved the spring show. Didn't give me a hard time at all. But everybody below them gave me a hard time. So, like, I'd come in, i check in with my lieutenant, i go, hey, boss, sorry I'm late. And the sergeant would then come up to me and go, well, coach, give me a slip for an hour because you would build up a bank of overtime like you could take it in money or time. I always took time because I was making enough money on the show. Sure. I needed time off from the police department to go on trips with Jerry and travel and stuff. So I always took time. Well, I don't want to give an hour of time for being, you know, 10 minutes late because this dickhead sergeant wants 15, you know, slip from me. And, you know, one time, you know, I said, hey, man, I was so pissed. I wrote up the slip. I gave him an hour. And I said, I'll see you in the parking lot after our shift. And, you know, <laughs> that probably wasn't the wisest thing to do. But I was so mad because, you know, people are jealous, right? And, you know, truthfully, some of it you bring on to yourself a little bit, but not so. Like, you know, I, I had you know, a Mercedes convertible. Mm -hmm. You know, most cops aren't driving Mercedes convertibles. Sure. You know, you're pulling sure. into the parking lot. I mean, other people resent it. A lot of guys were like, hey, good for you. And I hired a lot of cops. A lot, you know, show everybody was just a hard ticket to get. I took care of all the cops, get tickets to the show. So a lot of guys were happy. But, you know, other guys, they don't, you know, just like in any field, there's jealousy. And, I mean, my life was, you know, Pretty damn good at the time, man. So, you know, some some guys tried to give me a hard time. Did you meet that guy in the parking lot? No, he he never showed up. I mean, that guy. I mean, and he, you know what? He never asked me for another slip again either. There you go. All yeah. right. So, ninety four to two thousand one, you already dropped the numbers when you started as a cop. Twenty six five. When you left the police force, how much were you making in two thousand one? I want to guess like forty five to fifty. Okay. Yeah, okay. Straight pay. Straight pay. Yeah. Okay. So one thing we talk about often is you said you were making enough money on the show. You weren't really focused on overtime as a police officer. I wouldn't even pick up my paychecks. Come on. Because I, Really? Because, you know, I mean, when I, I was making like $250,000 on Springer. Wow. Being a security guy. So, you know, back then there was no direct deposit on You would get a check. Sure. Yeah. Well, you'd have to go into the station to get the check. Well, I'm like, I'll pick them up when... <laughs> Next time I'm in the station, which 
Sometimes three pay periods would go by, you know, and and then I'd get three checks and, you know, so, you know, honestly, it just, the police check was just so, it was peanuts to me at that point. You know what I mean? Such wild worlds. Yeah. The one thing we talked about, about the audience is how do you negotiate? How do you understand your value? I'm thinking a guy like you, how the hell do you negotiate with Jerry Springer? What's the benchmark? There's not another Jerry Springer director of security. You're making 35 bucks an hour. How do you work your way to 250K a year and beyond? It, that's interesting because you're right. I had no idea to value. I, you know, I, I was in the military. I was in the police. Yeah. Set. So this is interesting. Andrew Savage, who was on Survivors. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep. He was in season three or four. He was one of the first guys vote off because he was like one of those powerful dudes that they knew, like, you got to get him out of that tribe. Yep. Well, he was an attorney for NBC, and he was there. And I had no clue, but he kind of like, he did it for me. Like, first first contract I got was for like 75000 And then the show really, like, boom, overnight, like, exploded. And then he's like, yeah, hey, I got you 150 And then he, like, got, the, you know, got me to 250 and. So, like, I owe him a lot because, you know, he was kind of watching out for me, you know, and he's the kind of guy that, you know, and like I said, I didn't have an agent or, you know, I didn't even think along those lines. I still thought of myself as a cop to be in this fortunate position. And the Spring Show was my side job. Even though I was making way more, five times more than what I was making as a cop, I still identified as a cop. How many hours comparably were you working on the show versus being a police officer? Like so back then we taped. The Springer Show, three days a week. So I was there from 9 in the morning till 3, 4 in the afternoon. And then I worked as a cop from 4 to midnight. And then I worked in the bars from midnight till 4 in the morning. So, I mean, I don't know how I ever saw my wife. I was going to say. So we spent any time together. But she did, like, sometimes come to the bar and hang out with me while I was working security because That's cool. otherwise we would have never saw each other. Then yeah. when did rubber meet the road where you said, cop job? I'm done. Full-time yeah. Jerry Springer. Well, that's the story I was telling you. I came home covered in blood. That was it. And my wife's like, you're leaving. And we had just, we got married in 2000. And then 2001, she was like, you know, and then like I said, it was a week before September 11th. And I just had back surgery too. So I was not thrilled about thinking about sitting in a squad car for eight hours. And and then here's the other thing. I worked in patrol the whole time I was, I didn't have any special yeah. assignment, sure. cushy job. I was in patrol working the streets. So when I left, all of a sudden I got all these people calling me. Oh, man, I would have took care of you. I could you had 12 years to take care of you. How was that before? Why'd you wait till I left? Like, I needed a lifeline. Because, you know, a lot of guys start out, you work in patrol, and you become a detective, or or you get some cushy job working down in uh, motor vehicles or, yep. or some office job. I mean, you know, I liked being a street cop, but it was wearing on me, too. You know, I was getting hurt, and. You know, you're you you're working six days on, two days off, you're working holidays, you know, it's it's not good, man, you know. So we work in weekends. So, you know, like the Springer show, I remember like we'd have rap parties at the end the taping season, which would end back then in June. Mm-hmm. And we'd have this big party and everybody's like, Oh, I'm off for the summer and I'm like, I gotta go to work tomorrow. <laughs> like, you know, and even when I got married here, you know, my wife's making good money. I'm making good money. We got married in July, and I had to go the next. We got married on a Friday. Saturday, we went, you know, went to the Cubs game, and then, you know, all our friends, we went to the casino. Well, Sunday, 
I was back at work, man, working a squad car. And then we, I worked for like 10 days. And then we went on our honeymoon because that's when my furlough started. So then we went on God. vacation. Well, that, that, that's a, that's not a great life, man. Yeah. You know, especially when you're making, I mean, I was making more than the mayor of Chicago. You know what that I mean? That is like, crazy. So, so it wasn't, and the reason I kind of brought it up again, it was never really money driven. It was more no, of the more so life, quality yeah. of life. Quality of yeah. life. Okay. And knowing that once the spring show was over, I'm not sticking around probably in Chicago anyways. So what's the point? Got no, it. I wasn't going to get a pension either way. All right. So we're going to get into the next steps for Steve here. But before we do that, when it comes to the Jerry Springer show, we already talked about negotiation. You leave full time. You're working there full time. We talk a lot about annual reviews and annual raises. What the hell does an annual review at Jerry Springer look like? Like, how do they determine what success is and how yeah, do you get raised? They, uh, you know, I didn't have... I didn't have the job where I got reviewed, you know okay. what I mean? Because I was considered talent. I had a talent contract. Gotcha. So I wasn't like an employee, mm-hmm. you know, like everybody else was. I eventually got a talent contract and because I was on TV and so much and all that. So I never got really reviewed. I mean, it was so crazy because one time the producer, this big fat guy was on stage, right? And the producer goes like this, meaning pull his pants down. So I pulled his pants down. Well, unbeknownst to us, he didn't have any underwear on. Oh, jeez. So he's standing in front of 250 people with his <laughs> dingling showing. And he ended up suing us. And the lawyers come in, and I, I got a reprimand. It's the only time on the show they gave me this written warning. And I'm like, wait a second, man. I'm doing what the boss told me to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, I kind of knew that thing, like, I better just keep my mouth shut, shut take up. it. Yep. And move on from there. But that's the only time I ever really, like, got in trouble on the show. Okay. Interesting. Yeah. Well, you get reprimanded, and then it's all uphill from you. So one yeah. another thing we have in common, my fiance went on Dancing with the Stars. She won in 2020. Jerry okay. Springer yeah. goes on Dancing well, with the Stars. that's how I got my show. And that's how you got your show, right? So tell yeah. everybody that doesn't know what opportunity came about when Jerry went on Dancing with the Stars. So they, you know, that was kind of like, Back then, I you know I really don't keep up with things, but like back then, Dancing Stars was a new show and it was it was huge, and you know people that were on Dancing with Stars was like it get, could give you a big career boost. So Jerry was doing it. This was, I want to say this is two thousand five. Yeah, this is two thousand five, and so they said he's terrible, like dancer. I don't know if Jerry could dance or not. I spent the last. 13 years of my life with him, but I had no idea if he could dance or not. But I didn't even ask him. So he he's going to do it, and they come to me, and they said, well, we can't really shut the production. We don't want to shut the production of the show down while he's gone, so you'll host that week of shows. He'll be voted off first, and he'll come back, so you'll do it for a week. And it's funny because I said, well, I talked to the company lawyer, and I said, well, what am I going to get paid for that? And they're like, paid? What do you mean? I go, what do you mean? I said, <laughs> I'm not a talk show host. I'm director of security. And they didn't want to pay me anything. Interesting. And I said, well, then I'm not doing it. Get out of here. And they're like, this is your opportunity. And back then I thought it was all bullshit. Like, you know, I'm never going to. Like, why would I get a yeah, show? Yeah, you know yeah. what I mean? Come yeah, on. yeah. So I said, well, no, then I'm not doing it. And I really meant it. Like, no, man. You know, like we, you know, we would work on Jerry Springer uncensored tapes. Well, the company's making all this money. Sure. We're not getting a dime of it. Yeah. So I put my foot down. I go, I'm not doing anything that is not my job, and you're not going to pay me. So they came back, and they 
I think they pay me a couple thousand dollars every show that I host on top of my pay. Okay. You know, so they're going to. What, well, did you get a base pay? You said on top yeah, of your pay. What right, was so it? I was just getting a base like, pay? At that time, I was making like 250000 Okay. And then it's the 1000 So now show. they're going to give me 2000 for every show I host. Got it. Well, you would tape two shows a day, three days a week. So it was like an extra $6,000 a week. Wait, two, four, six, eight, twelve. No, it's more. Yeah. It's $12,000. Yeah. It was a nice, That's, nice chunk of change. So the, the lawyer goes to me and goes, well, did you talk to the executive producer at the time? I said, I don't need to talk to anybody. You pay me or get somebody else. To, <laughs> knowing there is nobody else. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. he, he goes, I go, listen, if you brought anybody else in the host of the show, you'd have to pay him, right? He goes, yeah. I go, well, I'm somebody else. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Well, like, and knowing what you know now, yeah. they probably had to pay him more oh. than a thousand bucks a show. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> right? But, you know, again, not having a lawyer, not yeah. having an agent. I'm And Andrew Savage was long gone at this point, you know. Okay. So, you know, I'm kind of doing my own thing. Okay. So I do the shows. Boom. Jerry's doing another week of shows. Boom. I'm doing the shows. Three weeks go by. Four weeks go by. Five weeks go by. I'm doing all these shows. When these shows air, the ratings are really good. They thought maybe they're going to go down. Sure. They didn't go down. Some even went up. So when Jerry gets back, he's like, hey, Steve, will you do Monday shows? And I'm like, as long as I'm getting that pay, hey. yeah. So he would occasionally take Mondays off. Well, the next season came around. He's like, hey, can you do Monday shows? Because, you know, Jerry's very big star at that time. He's got other things going. So, yeah, no problem. Well, then somebody's light bulb went off. At, see, a lot of people want to take credit for me. Oh, Steve's a big star. Bullshit. That's the biggest lie ever told. The fact that the ratings went up and I'm doing these shows, any moron could say, this guy should be given an opportunity. Sure. He's hosting a show. The ratings are good when he hosts it. So all these people that want to take credit for me, discover me, that's, that's crazy. I mean, I was a security guard that this fluke of nature break in life and so so i did get a phone call i I was like you know it was like a sunday night i want to say and i'm watching all in the family i'm drinking a vodka tonic my wife's in bed my kids are sleeping i get this phone call and i thought somebody was screwing around oh this is all so far let me say we're giving you your own show and i thought it was one of my friends screwing around but it turned out it's a real deal i go up to my wife i wake up i go i got my own tv show and we, you know, there was always talk about it, you know, but yeah. we said, you know, who's going to give me a show? So we always said, no way. But then she's like, oh, my God, are you drunk? And I said, no, I'm not drunk. It really happened. <laughs> Too many vodka times. But then it was like, then it was like this realization, like, oh, my God, I'm going to do, what am I going to do? You know what I mean? Like, like shit. Yeah, like, do now I we got to come up with some kind of concept. Or, you know, you know, it's like when you watch old Seinfeld. Oh, Jerry, we like to be in business. Yep. Well, what kind of show do you want to do? You know, uh, how about if I work in an antique store? <laughs> you know, like, you know, that's, that's kind of, yeah, right. Field. Like, so, but then, you know, my <laughs> wife really was the one who said, listen, man, you're a cop. You know, you deal with people on the streets and we're going to do stories that you, you know. So she really sure. came up with the concept of the show. The creative. Know? Wow. Yeah. All right. Stay tuned to the recap. We're going to talk a little bit about ratings. I have some friends in the producer world and it is crazy these days how they can see to the second how ratings are being increased and decreased based on what's happening. So there's numbers behind those decisions. Question for you I have that I think anyone at home in any job or the relationship could probably take away from. 
You got the opportunity to host the show, Jerry Springer. Ratings went up. You did something that connected with the audience. What do you think it was that you did that allowed you to connect with this community and increase ratings while the while the well, day I, guys I, I think, you know, I was kind of like the protector on the Springer show. Like, I broke up the fights. I stopped people from basically beating the shit out of each other. <laughs> and, uh, you know, and people knew I was a policeman, you know. So I think people looked at me as, and, when, and when, then we started doing these segments before I got my own show called Steve to the Rescue, where they sent me out to people's, like, towns, and I'd get them out of trouble or some bad situation. So I think people liked that. Like, you know, they felt like, oh, wow, Steve's somebody I could turn to. And I've always said it, like, when people, if I'm somewhere, you know, out in public in the airport, people come up to me. It's not like they're meeting Brad Pitt, you know, he's going crazy. But they're, you know, kind of happy, and they're, they're, like, almost meeting somebody that they've known for a long time. They're real comfortable with me. Like, the everyday guy, you yeah. know? Like, I'm your neighbor. Your I'm the policeman on the street. I'm your friend. So I think there's that connection with the people at home, and I think that's what my success has been. Something about the relatability factor yes. is huge. Guys, if you haven't seen the Steve Wilkos show, it has been on for 15 years now. You can find it on Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook. Collectively, over 6 million followers on all those. So go check it out. If someone's listening to this and they haven't seen the show, how would you summarize for the for the listener that's never seen your show? It's about getting the truth, man. And people that have nowhere else to turn, they're the last line of defense for them, they come on the show and we get them the truth. It's a hard-hitting show. It's a, it's a show we deal with a lot of hard topics, but it's like I said, it's people we get justice for people. Okay, and they call you 15 years ago and tell you you're going to give you this job. You're going to be the host of your show. Realistically, do you think you'd be here 15 years from now premiering season 16? No, because I seriously thought even do I want to do this because, you know, when you go, most new shows fail. I mean, that's... Mm -hmm. And, and I saw that, like, from the time I started working at Springer until I got my own show. I mean, you know, remember the girl from the Cosby show? She got a show. And, mm -hmm. you know, Danny Bonaducci and Richard Bay, just like tons of people. I mean, more than I can ever remember, people getting TV shows and getting canceled. Sure. Uh, so I'll never forget, when I got my show, I was in L.A., had to do the big press junket, and people were laughing at me. I mean, <laughs> they're like, Back then, it was 13 weeks. It wasn't even a year option, you know. And they're like, you're not going to last 13 weeks. And I've never failed at anything in my life. I mean, I've done stupid things. Sure, and, sure. Know, but I've never, like, when I joined the Marine Corps, guys I knew from my neighborhood didn't make it. They came home, and their heads were shaved, and they're, like, not Marines. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't go. You're not going to make it. I go, I'm making it. Mm -hmm. Then people are like, you won't get on the police department. I'm getting on the police department. So when people are like, you're going to fail in the first 13 weeks, I go, I don't know how long I'm going to last, but I'm going to last past 13 weeks. I can't tell you that. And, you know, so, and here's the thing. I've always worked hard. I'm not that guy that half-ass, I can't half-ass anything. Yeah. Like, there's times I come to the show, I'm like, I don't feel like it. I go, I don't care about today. But yeah. then I hit that stage, and it's like, I can't even not, you know, like, I get so invested into yeah. it. And so, and I tell people all the time, you don't get to where I'm at half-assing it or sure. being lazy. or And I am lazy in my personal life, yeah. but my professional <laughs> life, I'm not lazy. You know what I mean? Like, I work really hard at what I do. And I have I've did travel to every market in the country and do every interview. And, 
you know, promote the show and do like even today. Today's my day off. I'm here shooting digital stuff all day long. I could say, no, I don't want to do it, but I do it because I know it's good for the show, you know? So, you know, you got to bust your ass to be a success in this world. I saw the cheese boards out there. He's <laughs> definitely on TikTok <laughs> trends. Impressive. I'm not even on those trends. Real quick, was there any animosity from Jerry when you no. got this opportunity or was it met with support? Listen, man, Jerry, I love that man. And I think he loves me and we've been friends for 28 years now. And, there's never been animosity. That guy, we've never had an unkind word for each other. I mean, he's the best. He's been nothing but good and generous and kind. And I can't say not one. I mean, this is a guy that's never yelled at anybody since since I've known the man. Like, you think about celebrities. Like, remember Steve Harvey sent out oh, that crazy email about, yeah, yeah, yeah. don't come up to me. You know, don't look at Al- Ellen has all Ellen, these you know, things. Like, There's, I mean, the list goes on. Right, you know, people like, you know, and he never, not, you know, he was the biggest star in the world at one time. Yeah. He was the biggest star in the world. And that guy doesn't ask for anything special. Give me, you know, hamburger, you know, for yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. he, like, he's just, he's just great, man. And like, I never saw a new, and I'm sure maybe there was times I did something that probably annoyed him. He didn't let me know. Okay. Interesting. I love that. I love that yeah. he supported you. Sounds like an awesome guy. You talked a little about your compensation on that show. I don't know if you can share or not, but how has your life changed from a compensation standpoint, not being the director of security, but being the host of the Steve Wilford show? It's, listen, I make a lot more than when I was on the Spring Show. And, and at the Spring Show, then they also gave me the voiceover work. So, you know, like coming up next on Springer, well, that's a hundred grand a year. So I was making like three fifty. Oh, sick! So, so, so while you got your own show, you're doing voiceover, making money from Springer. No, I'm saying when I was on Springer. Oh, okay, okay. When you were on so, and okay. after a couple of years went by, they cut the guy out that was doing it, and they gave it to me. Got it. So now I'm making <laughs> my face awesome. out of two fifty. I'm doing a hundred. So at the time, I think I was making like three sixty five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. When they offered me the show, they came in to me with $350,000 to do. I go, that's less than what I'm making now. <laughs> like, they had no idea. I'm not no taking idea. a pay cut they, that like my own I show. Said, I, I'm like, you don't think they're going to offer me like a million dollars. You yeah, know, yeah. like, 350 I'm like, that's less than I make now. They didn't even know, man. Like, sometimes it's so crazy. So, but, so how it's changed my life now, not a lot is the question. Yeah. Do I live a very comfortable lifestyle because of the money? Yes. I own a couple homes, but my life didn't change that much because I was, you know, when you're making, like I said, 350 and my wife was making, you know, probably around that neighborhood. So together, and this was, you know, during the mid 2000s, that was a lot of money. Yeah. And we didn't live like, you know, we're not like rappers or, you know, sure, sure. the, with yeah. the, Jersey Shore people spending all their money. No, no, I mean, we bought a nice little condo and we made money on it. Like, we bought things that appreciate it. We didn't buy a lot of appreciable assets. I love right? that. That's a great um, lesson right there. Yeah. And even, the like, the first time we said, we like, because then when we got married, I started buying apartment buildings in Chicago because, you know, I was like, got to have something to fall back on. Sure. And the first time we ever bought anything that was we considered a depreciable asset, which it really wasn't, was a lake house in Wisconsin. And now that thing's blown up, you know, yeah. probably triple what I paid for it, you know. Um, but we that. bought that, and that was the first after my season one of my show. And I still own it, and I love that place. It's like my 
solitude of fortress like Superman. And I remember sitting in my yard, a big yard, you know, right by the water. And my buddy Scott Pritchard, who he's a friend of mine, but he, I met him like be like a groundskeeper at my house. Like, cause I'm not there a lot. I remember telling him, boy, if I could hold on to this property for three or four years, mm-hmm. you know, if I could just get three or four years out of my show, maybe I could hold on to it. And, but now, you know, everything in my life is paid for. I have no debt. You know, every house I own is paid for, car, nothing. I have no debt. My kids' college is salted away. So that's that's the how it, it maybe changed my life is that no mortgages, no debt. I you love know. it. I, I just, Steve, your story is awesome. Like, you're making 22 bucks an hour as a cop. They ask you to put on a tie for 35 bucks <laughs> an hour. You're like, sure, do whatever you want. Oh, then they pay you 250 You don't negotiate. They want you in the hosting role, and you start to say, I know my value. Pay up. Right. Now you got your own show. And from 35 bucks to saying, yeah, throw a tie and pulls people's <laughs> pants down, I'm in. 350 k <laughs> for my own show? Fuck off. Right. Let's talk. Right. <laughs> let's, let's negotiate. Well, at that point, I, at that point I ended up getting an agent. Yeah, he's been my agent for the past 16 years. So. It's amazing. Yeah. It's an amazing story. When you get to this position, you have to have an agent just because it's not just base pay. Now you're talking about profit sharing and, you know, gross revenue and all this other stuff. Digital, you yeah. know what I mean? Yeah. So it's so complicated. And I actually had to hire contract lawyers and everything else to, you know, get where I'm at. So. Yeah, at this point, there's no more negotiating my own. And I think that's a lesson for everyone. Partner up with the people that know best. You did it as his career and that's a huge takeaway. If you guys haven't seen, again, go check out the Steve Wilco Show on all social media platforms, and it's on NBC. Before we get your trading secret, I have the listeners where they're called, they're called the Money Mafia. They have some curiosity questions from those that know all about you. So I'm going to do a quick rapid fire on some sure. of those. Do guests get paid to get out, go on the show? No. Now, they will get compensated if they can prove, like, they're missing a day of work or something. Yeah. We try to compensate them for that. Or if they hired, hire, like, a, you know, somebody watched their kids for a day. But we don't we don't pay. Because if you paid people, they would make up stories and become professional guests. Okay. So, and, and listen, if you look at most of our stories, you probably Google search them, and it's a legal situation where they're at right now. You know what I mean? They've been arrested or they're in some kind of adjudicating some, you know, case. So... Our stories are 100% real. That was the second question the Money Mafia had. Are any of these stories fabricated or lies? And yeah. you're saying these are all based on yeah. legitimate things. But it, it's interesting you say that, just real quick. We did a story in the last couple of weeks, and I walked off stage and I asked my wife, I go, is that story real? Wow. And she goes, yeah, I was wondering the same thing. And we offered them to take lie to us. And I think we might air in it or if it hasn't aired already. And the one came back telling the truth. The other one came back inconclusive because I think there was drugs involved or something. So even when I thought it was fake, I said, let's ask them to like, take another lie detector test to make sure the story's real. And it, I think it passed. That's awesome. Yeah. Guys, just that clip, I'm telling yeah. you, if you see this stuff on social media, go take a break from your day. Check out the Steve Wilco show. This, these clips are unbelievable. It's just like such a great break from the day. The Money Mafia want to know how much impact you as a host get on the whole production and creative Zero. and things like that. I know my place because I know a lot of talk show hosts. And now if you if you look at the credits of the show, they have me listed as executive producer. I couldn't produce my way out of a wet paper bag. Now, I something like again, I'm in a very fortunate position of my wife being my executive producer. She's the best executive producer in TV. I, and I think if you talk to most people in the business, there's not a lot of people that would dispute that. She took a nobody and made me a success. 
She turned the Jerry Springer show in the mid-2000s when it was sinking, reversed the trend, and, and kept Jerry on the air for 10, 15 more years. Uh, I stay out of the producer's way. Now, I'll read, I read three newspapers a day, and I'll see a story that I want to do, and I'll say, hey, can we try to get this? Mm-hmm. But other than that, I get the hell out of the way. And there's stories I don't want to do. Like, my wife's like, okay, we're doing this. I'm like, I don't want to do that. But I've learned now just to do it because she's usually right, and the story rates really well. So as far as the production of the show, and when hosts become where they want to get really involved with their show, that usually doesn't work out too well. Yep. I think, again, it's another lesson people could apply to no matter what your job is. Stay in your lane. Stay in your lane and do it best. All right. 15 years. 16 year, sixteen season just premiered. What's next for the show? What can we expect? You know, we do a show that nobody else is doing. When you watch daytime TV, everybody's doing celebrity-driven, oh, movie, book, song. We're doing real-life stories that people are involved in every day. We're kind of out on our own little island. Nobody's coming after us. You know, the Jennifer Hudson's coming out, but now she's got to pe- compete against Kelly Clarkson. And, uh, you know, we got, I don't know who's the other new show that just came out. Oh, we even got Caramo now, who's yep. taking over for Maury. And, you know, he's more, I would say, invent- like I haven't really seen a show, but I think it, it, with us and like Maury and Jerry, we we have our own little niche. Mm-hmm. And with our show where we do the lie detector test and we get to hard-hitting stories and stories about abuse, nobody else is doing that story. Nobody in daytime TV is doing that. So we don't have to compete with anybody. If you want to watch, you know, all these shows with celebrities, you got a million to pick from. When you want to watch a show about everyday people in tough situations, you watch my show. You watch the Steve Wilco Show. Steve, this has been amazing. Your career journey is unbelievable. Never say never. Extremely unconventional and successful. We got to leave with a trading secret. Trading secret someone couldn't find in a textbook, a classroom, or Google about life, money management, or career management. What can you leave us with? I'll say this, you know, people ever since I've been in TV say, you're real lucky, and I am real lucky. But I always tell young people, luck does not find you laying on the couch, okay? I hustled. When I I was going to be a cop, and I was very, very fine being a cop. and But I hustled. I bought property. I saved up money to buy buildings. I never spent money on things that Again, like I said earlier, that didn't appreciate. I didn't buy things that that depreciated. I bought things that appreciated. And I never said no to an opportunity. I hustled. I worked all these side jobs. And that's why Mike asked me to work the Jerry Springer show. He knew I was a guy that said, hey, you want to work security? I was going to say yes. I wasn't going to be that guy. Well, I'm golfing tomorrow. I got this tomorrow. No. 35 bucks an hour, I'm there. So I tell people all the time, you got to make your own luck. You got to make your own breaks. And if you're sitting at home watching TV or laying in your backyard tanning or, you know, those are nice things to do. But if you have an opportunity to do something else to get ahead, you do it because you never know where that opportunity is going to lead. And like I said, one day working a security job, I've got my own TV show. I was a cop. I have a talk show that's been on for 16 years. I met my wife. I have my kids all because of the Jerry Springer show. I leave an incredibly nice comfortable life. I've gotten to do things, met celebrities. I met all my childhood heroes, Mike Tyson, Ernie Banks, Pete Rose, everybody in the sports world I've met. I've gotten to go to Kentucky Derby. I've gone to, you know, the Indianapolis 500. I've been to Amsterdam, London, 
all these different countries because of the show, because of being in TV. And that's because I said, yes, I will work that gig tomorrow. I love, and it's a hell of a trading secret. It's a testament to you being here. Your work ethic is a cop. Then you do Jerry Springer. Then you would go do night shifts at bars 24-7. And today on your day off, you're doing this. Cheese board challenges and more. <laughs> it's a testament to you, Steve. Where can people find you in the show if they need more Steve Wilkos in their life? Well, we're on Facebook at the Steve Wilkos Show, Twitter at Steve Wilkos TV, uh, Instagram at the Steve Wilkos Show, YouTube at the Steve Wilkos Show, and TikTok at the Steve Wilkos. Another. Just go to stewilkoshow.com, check your local listings. We're all over the country. You'll just find, you know, where we are in your, your time. Check it out. If you need a release from life, I'm telling you, it's unbelievable entertainment. Another episode of Trading Secrets you can't afford to miss. Steve, thank you for being with us. Thanks for having me on. Ding, ding, ding. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we are closing in the bell to the one. The only Steve Wilkos. I'm laughing my ass off right now mm. because we have an unbelievable recap here. Not only do I have the Curious Canadian with me, but I have the Low Show, Low Von Rumpf with me. And he's very sensitive to big noises. And when I said ding, 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 <laughs> he literally almost. It's I have an iron deficiency. I think that's why I'm sensitive to noises. Why do you it's blame a medical that? condition? You blame it on an iron deficiency. You need iron. My doctor was like, you should like get scared. You uh, spook easy. <laughs> okay, there it is. There we I go. Do. All right, he does spook easy. What am I? Curious Canadian? What am I? Mysterious Mexican? Yeah. <laughs> what do you want right. to be? Though? I don't know. Something good. Something like the uh, I don't know. Like the something like something with like gay. Like some, like uh, dildo Dave. Jesus. <laughs> Okay. I yeah. said that because he's been telling me he's a big dildo guy. <laughs> That's a trading secret. Right off I'm the ground right there. That's, That's a trading, trading secret. secret. He's okay. iron deficient and he's dildo He loves Dave. a dildo. He calls it David because, wow, we have the curious Canadian. <sighs> Dave, he did see the full yeah, the moment there. There it wow. is. All right. We have the curious Canadian with us too. All right. Let's get back to business. Sorry for that, guys. Uh, Steve Wilkos, former Jerry yeah. Springer. No, former cop. Turned Jerry Springer uh, security, turned massive, massive host. David, give me your initial thoughts, and then we'll kick it over to the mysterious. Lo what do you what should we mysterious call it? Mexican? Uh, uh, we'll call you M squared. Oh, the M squared, or like I, I don't know. I'm trying to think of something. What? What starts like the with curious, money? Like oh, G would get like the oh. the curious Canadian. The da da da. How about the luscious low? I'll take the luscious low. Okay, we got the oh, luscious low. Good. If you yeah, guys think of a good. better name for the recap uh, guest here, low, give us five stars and make sure you tell us. Five stars, put it in the reviews, and what should Lowe's name be for recaps moving forward? David, talk to me. What'd you think? Well, when Steve Wilkos' name entered the group chat and you said, does anyone know who this guy is? And I freaked out because I remember watching Jerry Springer back in the day, like where the cable TV before the internet and Steve like was the security guard and people chanted Steve in the crowd. Like I'm a Steve Wilkos guy through and through. So to hear a little bit wow. more about a story, I thought was really, really cool. I got to bring this back full circle, seeing low again. Uh, he got the opportunity to have his own show when Jerry went on dancing with the stars you guys started your bromance during Dancing with the Stars when KB was on during lockdown in LA. It's a big elephant brain memory there by me. Yeah. Uh, it's good to see you guys together, though. It's this good to nice. see you guys it's back in That back, was a Jay. great little circle back. Yes, there, I know. Unbelievable. Well this, thought out. This specific time, though, I yeah. look back and Instagram reminds me, it's like one year, two years ago, and it keeps 
Jay keeps popping up in my life. And so it's been great. It's been a good two years. Yeah. And actually trading secrets, the like early start of trading secrets really began in COVID. I remember when he was like, I'm thinking of starting a podcast. It's going to be about secrets, uh, trading them industry stuff and i was like don't do it i was like no i was all about it he's like we're gonna talk money and it was just an idea a concept and then now look where you're at how exciting congratulations to both of you this is awesome well thank you there's so much money being made on this podcast thousands of dollars And it's really cool to just be here right now. Wow. Full circle. And guess what, love? Trading yeah. secret, we will not be paying you okay. as a recap coach. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So back to Steve Wilkos. Yeah. So we have a group chat. I'll always throw like, all right, this is who we just have booked. And I want to see their reaction because not met, sometimes people have no idea, especially the, in our group. I didn't group, know who he it's was. For, it's for people. He's huge on social media. He is massive. And when they talked about Jerry Springer, Jerry Springer used to be literally bigger than Oprah back in the day. And when I tell some of the old generation people i'd still steve wilkos on they lose their shit wow lose i couldn't believe i couldn't believe when he said it was the biggest show in the world at the time they were flying over to europe and doing live shows they were getting sending limos out and sending limos out for the security guards to come to the show i couldn't believe how big it was um back in the day he's also one of we've had some people with some big followings come on this podcast he is one of the largest followed individual we have millions and millions and millions of followers like he kills it not only just on a show with an older demographic but in social media too they, were you you seem like you were like a jerry springer guy though no wasn't no i wasn't familiar with steve uh i remember him kind of briefly like once i saw him i was like oh he was on jerry springer what's he doing now what's the show going to be about <laughs> turns out very successful the guy's killing it i but i didn't know anything going into it so i was a blank slate but i briefly remember him on jerry springer but i wasn't a big jerry springer i was an oprah person gotcha you're an oprah person we're gonna go to the curious can to get his questions about what questions you have from the episode and then i want to go to you to the luscious low to see what questions you have (laughs) luscious low before i kick it over to david though i gotta ask you if you were to like an, an Give us a trading secret about your life events connected to Steve Wilkos and Jerry Springer and then Steve Wilkos show. If there was one event in your life that would have sparked a good episode on Jerry Springer or Steve Wilkos, what would it be? Oh, wow. Oh my God. Well, I, I've signed NDAs with clients, but I've had, I've been in a chokehold from a couple clients. Uh, yeah, I, but like you, like low. Well, like, it was happening to me. Wow. But yeah. like, that would be a great Jerry Springer. I'm thinking of like a trash moment where you're like, whoa, that was not me in a good place. Like or... your wife cheated on you with the stylist. Oh, oh, that time I almost <laughs> slept with my cousin. That would be a great, <laughs> that would be a great Jerry Springer episode. Cause that's like, they love stuff like that little incest moment. Yeah. And how so, st- how'd that like? I didn't uh, even know it was my cousin. They're everywhere. The Von Rumps, by the way, it's like 10% German, <laughs> 90% Mexicano. So I just, false advertisement here. But anyway, yeah. the Von Rumps are everywhere. There's so many of them. I have 17 on my father's side, over 63 cousins. And so, one of them I found attractive, had no idea it was my cousin. And uh, we met on an app. Wow. One thing leads to another. I'm what? sucking dick. I'm kidding. I wasn't. I did. Can you imagine? I didn't. I would never. But I, I realized how that we were cousins. Find, how did you find out? Well, we looked alike. And when he had messaged me, I was like, wow. The narcissist side of me, I was like, super cute. He's tan, over <laughs> six foot. Like me. Yeah. And I was Looks like, has a like set me. of chompers. And wow. I was like, okay, I'm into it. And then um, he started telling me about his, like, oh, I'm in San Diego. I don't want to, like, give too much because he could be listening. That would be so uncomfortable. Yeah. But anyway, 
What's his um, name? We'll go search him. Well, he no, has the kidding. same last name as me. But um, uh, anyway, I, I knew when he, he was like, oh, yeah, I'm here visiting my parents. Yeah. And then he said his his parents are here. And then I was like, oh, cool. Did you grow up here? And then he mentioned his dad, sent a picture of his family. I was like, there's my uncle. And um, wow. and his dad looks just like my dad. And so anyway, once he sent a, he sent a picture of his dick, too. And <laughs> it just asked. But it's also gay app. Oh, God, there's a lot to unpack here. But. When he sent it, I was like, his dick looked identical to mine. Wow. Same butthole, same dick. Same, <laughs> I was like, could have been mine. Anyway, All I right. blocked him immediately. I blocked him immediately because I freaked out and he's in the closet. And anyway. And if I was Steve yeah. Wilco, I would, first of all, love this episode. Thank you would you. be the highlight. You'd be prime time. You would end your introduction with that. And I would say, in today, what low, luscious low doesn't know is we have lie detectors tests set up. We're going to find out what really happened. Did he yes. actually block him? So stay tuned to the final episode. <laughs> we will let you know. All right. That I, is Lowe's, Luscious Lowe's uh, uh, entire episode, which would definitely get millions of viewers. David, any thoughts on that before you have any questions on the podcast? Well, no, I'm just picturing like if any of our viewers are hitting like fast forward in the episode and then like they get right into some of those comments that Lowe is making, wondering like, what button they hit to get on a different uh, episode of the podcast. Like, so wow, I went to like the gay version of call her daddy. Too. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Wow. What happened to trading secrets? Like guys, don't give us one That's star the new for secret. this. <laughs> anyway. All right, David. Oh no. So if I, if I have to do my, uh, my voice of the viewer, curious Canadian, for those who are still with us, uh, <laughs> to try and get some definitions defined, uh, Steve talked quickly about uh, he would never make it 20 years in the Marine Corps to get his pension. He was eight years away from getting his pension uh, as a police officer. I know what a pension is. It's a form of a retirement fund or, or, you know, income that you receive when you retire from working in one of these places. Are, are pensions one and the same? Are they the same type of money percentage wise? Can you kind of explain pensions or, or, and give them, uh, give us a, like a feel of some different kinds. Yeah, I'm gonna give you. I'm gonna give you very, very high level. The reason I'm gonna give you a high level is because I bet you. And if you do, if you have a pension, please let us know. I'm curious, especially go to the reviews, five stars. Let us know. But pensions really don't exist anymore. It's very, very rare unless you're in like a government job that pensions exist. There used to be a huge benefit for employees and employers would use pensions as means to recruit employees uh, and retain them. So the big thing about pensions is there is uh, defined pensions and then there's defined contributions. So there's defined benefit where you'll know exactly how much you will get, either a lump sum or an annual payment once you retire. First thing I think about when I think about a defined benefit plan is like a police officer. When you put in your years as a police officer, you know exactly when you retire, how much you'll get. Even as a teacher, when you put in years as a teacher, especially in like New York State, you know that you will get a percentage of your, there's a whole equation. It's like a percentage of your higher, your highest salary ever earned for the rest of your life, X amount of years. So that is defined benefit plan. Then there's contribution plan where based on your years of service, the employer will contribute to the fund. And then when you retire based on your years worked, you'll get a portion of that. So that's, that's like very, very high level. Have you ever been in a job, worked a job where pension was a possibility? Never have had a job or been offered a pension in any capacity. Same. What about you, Lo? Never. But like back, like big in unions, big in government work, teacher work. I was. I, you were? I, I was in yeah, you when I pension? worked for Geneseos. Yeah. See, state, there you state go. College. State University. 
That makes sense. 20, 25 years, I was going to get 60% of my last three, the average of my last three years See, salary. There's usually 60%. an equation like that. Yeah. So, so, yeah. but you would have to put 25 years in. Yeah. I lasted three. So, <laughs> not quite pension. 20, and I think for cops in New York State, it's 20 years. So, it's all there. I think so. Yeah. Okay. That's yeah. a good, good question. Okay. Uh, before we kick it to your next question, do you have any comments yeah. on pension plans? No. No comment on pensions. P E N S I O N. Yeah. That's pretty good. Good. All right. I got a question for you, too. Speaking of old workplaces, uh, you talked about rubber meets the road when the rubber met the road for him when he came home with a bloody shirt. And that was oh, the I end know, of his day. He killed as a police officer. Yeah, well, as a police just, officer. You can't make things up on trading secrets. Well, didn't, I mean, that's what it seems like. like he got in a fight. Didn't. Oh, I don't know. Sicko. I went right this to the guy who watches murder documentaries. I, I repeat. I wish I I wish you would have dived a little bit because I wanted to know like the blood on his shirt. Like that was his coming to Jesus moment to leave. But I was like, whose blood was it? Isn't that wild how our brains tick differently? Like you went right into the crime who did scene. you kill? I went into like how was your you pension? <laughs> <laughs> What's your pension looking like yeah, after that? But, I was like, I wanted, wow. I was dying to know like whose blood, what happened. It's a huge moment, climactic moment in your life where you're covered in blood coming home. And your wife's like, oh my God, honey, like it's done. That's what his wife was like. You're done. He's like, I'm done. I'm done, babe. Jerry Springer all the way now. Um, I think it was probably just a little roughhousing. Okay. Yeah. I'll take it to that. <laughs> I did see a meme the other day where it was like, uh, watching scary halloween movies that i that i know are totally fake and it's like under the covers can barely see and then it was like peacefully sleeping like watching my 30th uh murder true life murder documentary to put me to sleep. <laughs> <laughs> and it was like all stop. calm i love it but he had he had the rubber meets the road from that yeah. you had rubber meet the road when you got fired from the bank for the comment you made on the podcast i was curious did you get any settlement or severance from it. the bank just to what's that? Kate, uh, well, you said he made it. Didn't Caitlin make the, yeah, it was actually Caitlin it made a Caitlin. comment about Jason and mm -hmm. it was like a sexual thing. It was like our first hook. Yeah. Stuff. Oh yeah. That was like, yes, yeah. Yes. And then that okay. comment got me fired. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So did Caitlin's comment on a podcast that got you fired, get you any like settlement severance, anything like that? You walk away with a bag from that or no? How much um, money did you get? So yeah. contractually, I can't speak to that. Uh, is that for life? Is that a 10-year contract? Do we got to say it on the thousandth episode? Like, episode? like yeah. what's going on with so, that? So, I mean, I guess maybe what we could do is go through the contract that I signed, which probably answers your question you just asked. And then I would have to see what the liability of speaking about that would be and if it's worth it or not. Hmm. See, this is the boring part of reading contracts is that you actually know you can't speak about. Whereas, like, well, that's, for 90% of the people who don't read their contracts, they can right. just... Well, if I were to actually get a severance, um, then what would happen is you would usually sign a contract. And the reason they're in a situation like this, the reason they would ever pay you a severance is so you mm. didn't talk about it. So it's really one of the only value oh. ads they have is you not speaking to it. So read through the lines, curious Canadian, come up with your, okay, yeah. let's do this. Because I can't technically yeah. say, based on my answer or based on your question and you knowing me so well, what do you think the answer is? Why don't you both take predictions? So we're big on predictions in the recaps. I think that yes you got or no, at least, and how much? Just take predictions. I'm yeah, not going to react. I think you, I think you absolutely did get something. And knowing, have an idea of what your salary was and the severance and the time of year. I think you got a hundred thousand dollars. Okay. I uh, think I think that you didn't get any money, 
and knowing you, you wanted to go in the ring and fight. And so because you didn't, then you fought that maybe a lawsuit took place, a little gag order for you. You can't speak on it. And so, yeah, I think you ultimately did, but they probably initially said, absolutely not. Adios. Great, great guesses. What we do is we will have a Jason Tells All episode at the end of the year where I talk about all the money made in 2022, all the money lost, every story. I I will commit to the viewers out there, the money mafia, that what I will do is I will go through the contract. I'll talk to my attorney. I'll ask him what the actual liability of me talking about this is. I'm dying And if it's too high, I won't talk about it. That it better be juicy. It better be juicy for all this uh, secretive on the training yeah. secrets uh, portion of the tell-all. Let's but, keep this recap right. going. What else we got? All right, last last question I got. His uh, his trading secret, he says, luck doesn't find you on the couch, which is bad news for me because I spend way too much time on the couch. <laughs> but secondly, he said, uh, I only buy things that appreciate, never depreciate. And as I'm trying to think of a list of things that appreciate, it kind of ends at like house. So <laughs> if I'm smart as Steve Wilkos, let's go around the room here and I'll kind of say items that we think are that appreciate that we would buy as maybe as an, an investment. I like that. Who wants to start? I'll start. Okay, go low. How about go. a Rolex watch? That is mm. definitely an appreciating asset. Yeah, appreciate. Limited supply right now. The retail price is much lower than the secondary market. And when the boom was off the charts, when we were really crushing about a year ago, the market, those watches were going for like two, three, four, sometimes even five times the retail price. Okay. So that was a beautiful answer. Love. Designer clothes, depending on the designer. You it's... could answer this better than anyone. Yeah. Well, so designer what, clothes. Tell us, give us a list of a couple designers in which in general, not like every single piece in general, sure. it will actually appreciate. Well, it depends like if their life ends tragically, like Alexander McQueen, who hung himself with an Alexander McQueen iconic scarf. No way. That last collection he did, the Atlantis collection. I mean, the value, you can't even put a price on it. A lot of those pieces have been donated to the museum. But if you have your hands on any sort of piece from that specific collection, because he's not here anymore, it's like if a famous athlete, singer, yeah. and artist, this is one of the most creative geniuses that will ever walk this planet. And so wow. his collection, completely appreciated. So it depends on the designer. You know, Kanye is in some hot water right now. Maybe his shit will depreciate, appreciate, I don't know. But there's certain designers like Gianni Versace, original Gianni Versace pieces have appreciated in value. Interesting. Triple, quadruple the value. Yeah. Because, I mean, he's gone. He was he was shot. And so sometimes these artists have tragic lives, and it's nice to get your hands on some of these beautiful pieces. Yeah, yeah. If you're a fan of, of the art of fashion sure. and style. Those are really good examples. I would say Kanye's portfolio is definitely getting depreciating yeah, taking as a bit of a should. hit right now. Anti-Semitics. I know. Anyway, um, the one that I love, they said Alexander McQueen's great. The Rolex one is a great one. And then I had another thought on the shit. I lost my thought. I had, oh, oh, this is where I was going to go. When you talked about the museum, it's actually amazing how much Lowe knows about resale of certain things. Like we were talking about the Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, the Def Jeffrey Dahmer Jesus. Netflix. He knows like his little drawings get sold for like. Yeah. Tens of thousands of dollars. His original glasses, how much did you say they got sold for? Uh, well, they're oh. actually on sale or for sale now. Um, if Sick. You, if you check out like Murderpedia, I spent a lot of time there. Um, but his glasses are going for around $200,000. Wow. Yeah. And they're yeah. not the original ones that he wore during all of his murders uh, in the 90s, but they're the ones that he wore in his jail cell before he was or killed. He wasn't executed. Wow. He yeah. was killed. So they're the, his, like, his actual glasses anyway. All right. Let's keep the list going. David, do you okay. have any others? 
is like sports memorabilia. Does that count? I think for some of like, look yeah. At, yeah, like look at like oh, comic books for some Pokemon comic books, cards, Pokemon cards, sports memorabilia. Okay, I um, noticed in your jewelry box you have a bunch of Pokemon cards. Yeah, I'm, I love Pokemon cards. Really? Yeah, I have like old old mm. school ones too. Yeah, I used to collect them when I was a kid. So did I. Really? Got to catch them all. Wow. <laughs> Every one of them. I love them. <laughs> it's unbelievable. Um, all right, let me give you some other ones. Obviously, like land, uh, fine art. What's really cool, there's wine. You can invest in wine. And it'll stay at like certain houses, make sure the temperature's good distribution. You could do that. Or you can invest in certain apps and invest in wine. You can invest in uh, Masterworks, which is like you put money towards them. They buy expensive art. They resell it. You get paid a dividend. Um, obviously, uh, stocks for the most part, like mutual funds, real estate investment trusts. Obviously, real estate, which we already said. Uh, I think I already said land. But in general, you could buy like un. Uh, you could buy like agricultural land. Like there are so many assets that do appreciate. And yes, I think some of those examples you guys gave are great ones. Thank you. All right. Do we have anything else? Congrats to us. I'm no, going to congrats to us. Congrats to us. That was great. I'm going to go into a little tease for next episode because next episode we have one of my favorite guests. She was so great. Her story is awesome and her confidence is next level. It is Shannon Ford. Now, David, what you're going to like is towards the end of the episode with Shannon Ford, I have a list of like 10 things that I ask her because I think you and her have like very similar personalities and like I think you're like your financial acumen is pretty similar. So I was curious if she could stump the curious Canadian because you always come to me with questions, things that you weren't aware of in the episode that you want clarity on. So I asked her like a list of 10. I'm going to ask Lo just two of those to tease it and see if Lo knows things that the curious Canadian did not. Lo, are okay. you ready? Sure. First one. What does KPI mean? KPI <laughs> stands for, I don't know. Okay. Yes. Let's wow. Go. Okay. I have no idea. Second one. No what idea. Spell. <laughs> I knew you. I hope you're going to ask this. Spell tertiary. <laughs> Ter tertiary. Tertiary. Um, can it be used in a sentence, please? I need to hear it in a sentence. They have a tertiary lean position on the commercial real estate project. Tertiary. Okay. <laughs> tertiary. T U. Is I might get so far as you just keep going. T U R Ter S H E R Tertiary. I don't know. Tertiary. You got the David, what did you think it was? What? I honestly don't even know. I've never used that word in my life and don't ever plan on using it. Ever. What do you think it means? Tertiary. Um, some sort of a hold. Wow, it's pretty, pretty. So tertiary. So no, it's bullshit. It's it's bullshit. It's like, like some sort of a like hold, a like some sort of a hold, like a, a dominant hold on something. Like oh, I don't. I mean, it's not ter it's not terrible. You have a uh, primary, secondary, tertiary, first, second, third. It's like a, it represents like a third lean position on something. Got so it. like if, not completely off base. Not completely why not? Off. Why not call it third then instead of tertiary? Because primary, third, secondary, uh, secondary, third, third dairy. Uh, not a word, David. I don't know what they teach you up be. in Vancouver, but not here. <laughs> Not sure, sure. They're not teaching us that. That's for sure. All right. Any other last minute thoughts you had? On What's KPI? KPI, key performance indicator. Oh, right. Okay. So, like, okay. you're looking at your KPIs for the podcast, your downloads. Blah, 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 blah. All right, David. There's no chance that Shannon knows how to spell tertiary. Well, you put, will find put, out next episode. Shannon, Fortune I want to come back to this podcast too. Yeah, but you, we never had a repeat. Why? Guest. You guys just drained people of their information, get all of their finances 
down. It's insights. Get all their secrets and then cast them away. It's secrets so that they can motivate and inspire the money mafia. Bunch of fuckboys on here. (laughs) Just just sleep with them and just never call them back. Hey, guys, if you think we should have the one and only Low Show back, the Luscious Low, go give us five stars (laughs) and say, bring Luscious Low back. No, don't bring him back. We could do a whole nother episode with you. I think yeah, have I have more way. secrets to reveal. Are you on OnlyFans? What? Are you on OnlyFans? No, I'm not putting my butthole and shit on OnlyFans. I feel like you would. Probably would. Yeah, <laughs> Times are tough, but I'm okay right now. Any other thoughts on the never. Steve Wilco show? He was great. I love how opening candid he was. Love that he talked about his salary. $250,000, right? Is yeah. what he was getting. Yeah. Um, yeah, he was great. Nice guy. Man's man, too. I love how butch he was. Yeah, I, I felt I felt that energy. He's just a great, like, I wanted to go have a drink with him. Same. All right. This is the longest recap in the history of the Trading Secrets show. We hope you guys are enjoying it. <laughs> David, do, <laughs> aka Lowe, you're never welcome back. No, you're great. Lowe adds a spice and an element of this recap we have never had. David, any thoughts before we wrap? No, I already left a review that I want Lowe to be our first uh, repeating guest in the podcast. Wow. So, um, wow. Our first ever repeat. We'll bring him back. Thank you, guys. For tuning into another episode of Trade Secrets. Remember to go follow us on Instagram. Go follow us on Facebook. Give us five stars. We have the luscious low. We have the curious Canadian. And hopefully you thought this was an episode you couldn't afford to miss. note that this episode may contain paid endorsements and advertisements for products and services. Individuals on the show may have a direct or indirect financial interest in products or services referred to in this episode.